All right. Welcome to the What You Thinking podcast. I am your boy, Miles. So, what's going on? This is Colin here, man. What's up, Miles? Hey, man. What's going on with you? I'm, I'm doing well today, man. It's real nice. Nice, real chill day. You know, just getting settled in, ready to talk some good stuff with you. Uh, getting settled in, had a good day. That's that's what I like to hear. Solid, solid, smooth days, man. You know, you got you got to love the smooth days and your days off, you know, from the regular grind and just sit back, relax. And now you just get to, you know, talk some shop a little bit, you know? Oh, okay. I mean, I wish it wasn't, I wish it wasn't raining outside. Cause oh, you got rain over there? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's and it's not even here. rain, honestly. Yeah. It's that weird, like, cold mist that just, mm. like, permeates everything. That yeah. just, like, drains your energy. It's just like, oh. It's the hoodie weather? Hoodie? Got the sweats? Oh, it's pure hoodie weather. It's, <laughs> it's pure Ooh. hoodie weather. I'm wearing, short, Which, I'm wearing shorts over here, though. Sorry. Tank top. You, you know, though, honestly, I'm a huge fan of hoodies, though. Yeah, I, I am, too. I ain't gonna I'm lie. a big hoodie guy. Big hoodie no, guy. Yeah, no. I, I, that's <laughs> if there's one thing I miss about New York, it's kind of the hoodie time. You know, it's more specifically around the fall. You know, the fall time is really nice. Put on a nice little hoodie, get the sweats on. You know, feel nice and cozy. You know, but then when the winter starts creeping in, that's when I, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, I ain't feeling this. I'm I'd like, actually argue that fall is an underrated time of year. Yeah. That's fair. Because summer is great, right? Because you have yeah. the beach, uh, the beach, and the beach. The beach. Which the you beach. can't beat the beach, the pool. Right. Good stuff, right? But, like, in terms of, I think, clothes, fall is just that crisp fall air. It mm. still warms up a little bit. Mm-hmm. All you need is, like, a little light jacket or yeah. a little hoodie. Oh, Get the yeah. sweatpants. I'm gonna it's, put on my Levi, my Levi jean jacket with the Levi jeans. Levi, are we a cowboy now? Are Levi we cow- jean jacket. Out. But I'm gonna throw on some Tim's, real, real nice at the end. You know, throw on some Tim's and make me feel right at home. New but York now you're going truly New York right here. That's that's <laughs> that's true New York right there. Yeah. You got the Tim's. You know, what I mean? so you can't. We you got wearing fresh uptowns too. You can't wear. No, t- yo, Tim's. start the trend, baby. I'm, I might have to. But I'm going to be looked Start at Start the real, trend. They're going to know right away, oh, this guy's from New York. This guy no, here you go. Definitely from New York. Tim's with some jorts. He is wearing, <laughs> he is wearing shorts, or jean shorts with Tim's. You remember that? That's remember, it. Remember that was a thing? <laughs> Tim's and jorts, man. That's all you need. Tim's, jorts. Mm. You throw on, like, a, a, a throw on that Yankee hat. Yankee oh. hat and a white tee. Oh, you set. Yo. And you set. Do it. it. That's it. Do it. If I do that, man, oh man, I'm gonna get grilled hard out here for that. I already know it. <laughs> I won't make. Nah, it but that's how you set trends, though. Cause look, everybody who did something first, somebody had the eyeball, right? Because yeah. it, it, in order to be a trendsetter, that means you got to be in the front of the pack. You can't be following. That's right. So if you want to set the pace, mm. you got to do something different. Mm. You got to do something. That makes people go, wait, 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 wait what he doing? He. Definitely. Now, sometimes you're going to miss, though, because there's going to be a lot of swinging and missing. Like, for example, uh, that Kanye West outfit that he'd be trying to pass off as clothing that he has with Adidas. I call those (laughs) swings and misses. Now, he hit it off with the Yeezys because he got people spending like $1,000 for Yeezys. But the sweatpants with the holes in them. Oof. You ain't ain't digging the homeless look, huh? 
Nah, nah. And, and no disrespect to those who may or may not have a home. Yes. But charging somebody, I don't know, $500, $400, I don't care if the sweatshirt was $20. It's got holes in it. Yeah. I, I'm not on board. It's not It's not looking too nice when you have that. Nah. <laughs> no. 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 I'm, I'm not on, I'm not on board it, for but, it. But, you know, he swings it for how much money he sells those those outfits for uh, you know that's a, a good question a few, i really want to look that up like a few hundred because close to <laughs> it's it's gotta be i don't know it, it's gotta be something ridiculous though right like it can't be cheap let me see kanye west adidas what is it the pants yeah the pants i mean you got the i know they had the pants i know the shirt i think it was the sweatshirt let me that, see that they have coming up for that as well shirt oh here we go let me see well on grailed they have the sand hoodie 230 230 for a hoodie that's I mean, not 230 cents that's 200 230 200 230 ridiculous now, now speaking of ridiculous stories i don't know if you saw on twitter mm. there was this uh gabriel union posted that she let her Uber driver use mm. her bathroom. I heard about. I heard about something like that, man. <laughs> I mean, and not only did he use the bathroom. Yeah, she said he dropped the deuce, and he let it be known. Just like I don't know, man. Is there a rule on like how far you let certain people come into your home and just like you know drop? Well, you know me. There's you, a there's a no rule. <laughs> there's a no you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the question for you, there, yeah. right? So somebody comes to your house, right? They ain't related to you, right? Like let let's say like even you having like a party or something at your house, right. somebody drops a deuce in your bathroom. How you feel about that? Mm. Ah man, I, that, I'm feel I feel I, I'm not gonna lie. I feel I feel some type of way. I'm gonna feel a little some type of way about it. You know, I feel like if that if that smell, you know how you have that smell just creeps all on out to your place. You know, it starts to. Make people it permeates. Feel, I've yeah, I've I've had people look, man. People have I've known people who have done some, whew, some killed the bathroom, man. I'm talking almost throwing up. You ever had you ever smelled this one so bad that you almost feel like you gotta throw up? I mean, everybody's had a bad one, right? You had some bad food and that and that, that joint sent you over the edge. But I'm going home then, right? Yeah. I'm not staying like. If if somebody invited me to the house and it's like oh some start percolating I'm out because <laughs> I think it's just rude <laughs> to just drop your kids off at the pool just be like ah nah you, you can't nah you gotta you gotta go home and handle that in your own bathroom you can't be using your friend's bath especially if it's your only bathroom now Gabriel you know I'm sure they probably got like ten bathrooms in the yeah, house they probably got ten There's I'm no still problem. not letting my Uber driver come use my bathroom in my house. <laughs> But if it's my solo bathroom, that's it, man. That's the only bathroom you have. It's nah. about being kind, man. Kindness. Yeah, kindness only goes so far. And you know where it stops? At the bathroom, though. That's he's got, exactly. he's got about an hour drive, hour, two hour drive home. Can't make it home. You're all they got. Starbucks ain't open? Starbucks ain't McDonald's? open. McDonald's? Midnight. They just Bars got out the party. Well, no, but you the Uber driver, though. You should have a connect. If you If you're an Uber driver, I feel you should have a connect, right? At the hotel, the the catering place. You should know everywhere there's there should be an app. If you have a if you have Uber, Uber drivers have an Uber bathroom app. Here is where 
you can find and then you can rate the bathroom like by oh, smell yeah, that, quality oh, of soap you onto <laughs> you know? something here you're onto something here look and bathrooms look. should get a rating i remember growing up right my I think my grandmother, she's always telling me, to, the way you could tell a good restaurant sometimes, too, was by the bathroom. Mm. Always check the quality of the bathroom. Okay, yeah. Because if the bathroom nice. was nasty, mm-hmm. what that kitchen looked like? Okay, yeah. Mm. That kitchen... It's going to be looking sketchy. <laughs> right. It's going to be looking sketchy. You go to the bathroom, ain't no soap. Where is that cook washing his hands? I mm. just want to know. Just want to know. That's, You're right. That's a fact. Okay, I feel you. I feel so, you. So... But bathrooms, if there was a bathroom rating app, we should invent it. I mean, because be bathrooms can't get a rating. Because you know what's funny? I remember great bathrooms in a restaurant. Mm. Like, you go into a bathroom that, like, smells good. Like, in a restaurant, and got, like, some vanilla sandalwood mm. scent. Lavender. Like, oh. Mm, some nice. Right. And it's a little cozy in there. It's, <laughs> oh. Mm. That real good in here. Oh. Oh. Nah, you don't want to leave. And speaking of houses, the other crazy story they said <laughs> there was on Twitter was a Dr. Phil situation. Mm, where yeah. I guess it's not his house anymore. They said, first it was his house, now it's like his son's house or something. I don't know the full story. What, what was going on in that house, man? Dude, you got you got bears and guns. You got bears and guns in bears. That <laughs> got got a full arsenal. First of all, it looks like a, a home out of a horror film. Like it's one of them homes, but like an Agatha Christie novel, like or like uh, what was that movie back in the day? Uh, it was not Twelve Angry Men. That was only, that was the jury one. Oh man, I can't help you. I can't remember. I think it's I think it's Ten Little Indians. Oh no 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 no. Here you go. I lied. Was it Ten? Yeah, Ten Little. Is it Ten Little Indians? Yeah, it's it looks like the home out of Ten Little Indians. So Ten Little Indians. I don't know if you probably haven't seen it. You know, you 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 too young for this. This oh, is oh before okay you okay. I forgot. This is a. One of old head right. movies. Uh, this is <laughs> it was, so it was a movie in 1965, um, and it was basically about what happens. Like these ten strangers got invited to a house party, and they eventually, of course, all started dying or being killed. Okay. But that's the home, like that I imagine would be in that kind of film. Mm-hmm. When you have like the the lion statues, like all the weird stuff in that home, just screams to me something weird. Mm. Something weird's going on in there. I see. Something I see weird. what you're saying. Okay, something's up. I mean, they something's say up. Something's some, up. Something's definitely up, man. Those are the places you got. You got guys like that. I don't know, man. And didn't he get his license revoked? I had to heard something like that. Where here's the deal. Mm. He got put on by Oprah. That's all that matters at this point. Oh yeah, when you get put the on. Trick by was Oprah. remember back in the day, mm. if because same thing was Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray came from Oprah too. Mm. She was right. Oprah. Uh, a couple other people were all Oprah. So if you from on Oprah, back in the day when Oprah was king, not that she's not still king now, um, or should I say queen? Probably should say queen, right? Oprah was queen. Um, you, once she put you on, whether it was your book, right. your store, your cookie, whatever you had, sold out. Yeah, Oprah. Oprah was the original influencer. Yeah. That's true. She was the original Kim Kardashian. You know, like, she put it out there. It was like, oh, everybody buying that. That is true. New York Times bestseller. That's facts. But you got it. I mean, with that, I mean, it's always good to get get, get the show started off on a light note. Because if you don't know, we're still early days in the early days of the podcast. But a lot of our topics are definitely going to be focusing a lot, of course, on mental health and some serious issues and stuff like that. So... For us, we always like to get the, the podcast started off on a light note. 
see what kind of what's happening funny in the world interesting stories like this before we get into like the the real meat of the mm-hmm. issue mm, feel you i feel you on that man it's you know because these topics we're going to be going through you know on a regular basis we're going to be talking we'll talk sports we'll talk you know regular pop culture things that go on but we want to definitely target uh the mental health piece as well and that's i think that's a huge piece because a lot of what goes on today revolves around the mental health and you know it's a big thing today and it's you know we we felt that you know for miles and myself we want to shed some light and some of our thoughts and what we're thinking on it as well and so for today uh, one of the first articles that we want to discuss with everyone out there is one that I found for uh, talking about mental health and cancer screening, uh, which is a which is really interesting for me. Uh, you know, for me, I used to work in a hospital setting uh, with those who had mental health issues, and when I came across this article, it kind of brought me back to those days and how cancer screening doesn't really get talked about. Um, too much when it comes to you have those who get um, input into a psychiatric setting or they get admitted and so cancer screen is not one of those things they talk about with their care all they their care is mostly focused on is you know getting them well then you know taking care of the issue at hand with other any the psychiatric may, component yes any psychiatric illness they may have and that was it and so with this article today um, that, that I found that's, that just came recently came out, there's an article done by Vishwada Chander. Chander um, and so it talks about people with mental illness less, less likely to get cancer screening. And so there was a review on that they had done covering almost 4.7 million people in almost 10 countries. Um, the study have found that those with mental health issues were 24% less likely overall to get screened for can't for cancer. And so that's uh you know, that's definitely a, when you think about a huge number, when you're looking about across 10 countries. And so in the analysis that they had done out of those 4.7 million people, there were 501,559 adults with a mental illness. And this is across the Americas, Asia, Australia, Australia, and Europe. And so that's, you know, that's considering that's a pretty big number when we talk about those who who have a mental illness and they're screening potentially for cancers like breast, breast cancer, cervical cancer, and prostate cancer, which are normally, those are like the big heavy hitters of cancer right now that, um, that are focused on. And so there's not much talk, I guess, when you see, I don't know, for you, Miles, and your work, have you seen across the board, you know, people with mental illness talk about screenings? Um, have you ever talked to providers or anybody uh, or mental health professionals who talk to their patients about these things like screenings for cancers, which is pretty big? I mean, that's an, it's an interesting thing. When you sh- sent me the article and I read it, it was, I mean, the statistics sort of leaped out of me, right? Because it's women with schizophrenia were 40% less likely to be screened for best, breast cancer. And then men with a mental illness were 20% less likely to be screened for prostate cancer. And of course, those are the two cancers that almost, when, people, when you mention the word cancer, generally those are the two ones that leap to our mind. is breast cancer and prostate cancer. Obviously, right. there are... I don't know how many other cancers, hundreds of cancers. You yeah, get cancer, pretty of, much yep. just any body part that has a cell. So literally, it's probably an infinite number of cancers. But it's true. Like in the mental health setting, the the primary focus, like most things, not like most things, the primary setting in mental health setting is mental health. 
it is the focus on what is going on with this person uh, mentally, right? Is it right. depression? Is it schizophrenia? Is it bipolar disorder? Is it anxiety? Any number of, you know, hundreds of, of uh, ailments that this person can be afflicted with. And it's less concerning in terms of what their physical health is, right? We don't necessarily automatically lead to what's going on with this person physically or how these physical um, ailments can be having a play or playing a part in this person's mental health. And especially when it comes to cancer, I think that's probably like <laughs> sort of the furthest thing from people's minds when it comes to mental health. Yeah. Because generally, especially if you're talking about severe mental illness, um, individuals who have severe mental illness more than likely are not that concerned with what's going on oh, yeah. uh, physically. Either they may not have the ability to be concerned about what's going on physically or their mental illness is at this point in such of a either in a crisis mode or needs to be handled extremely well right. that the physical component sort of gets left behind or there's a lot of physical screenings which has to do more so with how are the medications that this person is on how are these medications affecting their bodily functions how is it affecting their liver how is it affecting their kidneys but not necessarily uh preventive medical care it's right. a lot of back-end medical care. It's a lot of care of, okay, you already have this condition. You're already on these medications. How is this going to affect your health down the road? But not necessarily, okay, you don't have cancer right now. Let's screen for it. Let's make sure you don't have it. Let's right. let's see what we can do in advance. And I think that's sort of what sort of gets left behind in this issue is that people have these mental, Ill mental uh, afflictions. And unfortunately, when it comes to other areas of their health, it's often neglected or it's often uh, an afterthought, right? And then on yeah. top of that, you think about uh, primary care and uh, mental health care. Generally, are, I mean, you could say they're sort of opposite sides of the same coin, but in the sense that you never, they rarely ever interact. There, there is a huge disparity sometimes between a mental health practitioner talking and a primary care doctor talking. There's not necessarily always like a smooth line of communication between, I mean, that's across all medical fields, but right. particularly when it comes to mental health, is there not necessarily this communication between uh, the psychiatrist or the psychologist or right. the, the social worker and the primary care doctor? Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, unfortunately, it's the patient's health that sort of uh, falls by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, it goes into limbo. It feels like, you know, when you have the, the, the care team uh, for these people, you know, it's the primary care doctors, the mental health um, provider. Uh, you have social workers who get involved or case managers who you also have this whole care team and sometimes the communication line between all or several or five or four of those people could be not so great. And that's been an issue, issue today, you know, in healthcare as well. You know, just the communication line on services that those that those people are patients who are in need, especially, you know, those with mental illness. And, um, you know, if working in a hospital, working in a setting with those with mental illness, you know, I've kind of seen firsthand uh, some the miscommunication you will have just between, you know, nurses and physicians. And sometimes between, you know, you see between medications, you know, patients will mention how they were taking a certain dose of a medication before they went to the hospital and they'll mention it to the nurses or the doctors, and the doctors would then try to reach out to their uh, their primary care physician. And when they try to try to reach out, sometimes there's no contact there or they can't be reached, and so it becomes an issue of you know 
How do I find this out? How do I find out what specific medication they were taking? And of course, today you have the technology to be able to access um, systems in order to figure that out. But sometimes these providers don't have the access to those systems to see. Right. And and so that's a and that's a huge gap and that's a huge issue and sometimes it leaves like you mentioned before it leaves the the patient kind of there in limbo and that causes patients to kind of also be in an inpatient for a little while longer until things get sorted out with mm-hmm. their other providers. Yeah, and that just perpetuates the cycle, right? Because what happens is you went in for one thing. You may already have other pre-existing conditions or other medications that you're currently on, but now there's this scramble to find out what's really going on. What medications are they really on? Are, are these medications old? Are these doses? Are these dosages? Woo! Woo! <laughs> dosages. dosages. There we go. <laughs> Those are these dosages, right? Um, all this different sort of stuff that happens and there does there is a lack of communication and I think of course that screens back down to the screening process right mm-hmm. so you already you have a diagnosis of uh, a mental illness whether it's uh, something severe like schizophrenia or uh, uh, severe depression or bipolar disorder all these other conditions and even the patients themselves right you're, you're normal uh, if you have one of these conditions generally you're concerned about functioning on an everyday basis mm-hmm. you're concerned about making sure that your medications are, are working mm-hmm. properly uh that your symptoms are under control um, right. that you're able to function that you're able to you know do the things you need to do and that's your main concern but right. because that's your main concern unfortunately what happens is is not necessarily thinking about sort of the routine medical care you're not necessarily focused on let me make sure that i get this mammogram let me make sure i get this prostate screening Right. Because that's not the concern. Your concern is yep. let me make sure that I function. Yep. Um, and so because of that, a lot of that stuff gets left by the wayside. And unfortunately, yep. if you don't get screened for cancer and you have cancer, obviously we, we know with cancer that the earlier you get screened, the earlier you get tested for cancer, the earlier you catch it, the more right. likely you are to survive uh, right. from this cancer diagnosis. Right. And so, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, it's definitely key. And, and, you know, there's, you know, the certain ages, of course, you know, for that you, you're, if you're, you know, for your health coverage, depending on your insurance as well, that, you know, you have the screenings that are, they should be free of charge depending on your coverage. Once you hit the age to be screened, I believe for prostate mm-hmm. cancer, once you hit 40, you know, you're eligible to be screened. Um, you should be covered under your insurance, depending on your insurance, of course, that varies. And for the, those with cervical, for cervical cancer screening, and breast cancer screening, I think, but I believe for cervical cancer, you can have a pap smear. Um, it can start from the ages of 21 or 22 for women. And breast cancer screening, I believe, starts at around the ages of 30. I believe. I maybe. I, I may think. Be, it, I think it's. I think it's mid 30s. I think it's the 35. mid 30s range that you can start to be screened for uh, breast cancer as well. And so that's also that's really important to note for those ages when you choose to start to look for. You know, once to start screening for those type of um, cancers, it's really important to note. Um, even for those, like colorectal cancer screen is also another big one to note as well. Gotta get that colon check, man. Yeah, get that, get that check, people. That's also important. I mean, that's mostly, you know, for you can start to, I think screening for that begins at the age of 50, I believe, or for colorectal cancer screening. I could, could be wrong based off but i believe i know so, I know it's, it's a, so it should be a little bit early. i think it's 45 so 45 okay. um yeah i know yeah. it's a little later for adults uh f- around that age 
to get start get screening but that's also another big one to to note as well i like to to bring up but yeah screening when it comes to mental illness and cancer screening it's a really interesting piece i never really thought about until this i saw this article and i thought it was interesting but it's really important and you know if you have family members or friends out there who are suffering from a depression or schizophrenic or um any type of psychiatric disorder um support them in any way you can and also trying to help them with other potentially other screenings or anything for physical health is also important to get them on the right track it's it's a big step in the right direction for them right exactly i think that's the point is that you don't want to neglect uh the physical health right as well that that's the that's the key is is that obviously get everything else that you need to under control but make sure that all the preventative screenings that you can do and that applies really to everybody, right? It's not just, obviously more so based on this article, it definitely applies to those who have a form of mental illness. Even more so, they should definitely uh, be more aware and family members should be more aware that there is this uh, issue or this is this problem in that community. But even more so, uh, not even more so, but everyone should be tested. And I think, especially when it comes to men, right? There's always the joke about the prostate cancer screening, right? Because yeah. like no one yeah. wants to yeah. get the prostate checked. We all yeah. know how it happens, you know? Doctor pops yeah. on the glove, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the thought of this already killing me. And mm. so what happens, right? So we put it off because because of how the prostate is checked and the way men think and and how all that's processed, yeah. we're like, oh, you know what? I'm a I'm a not do I'm a that. I'm gonna be good. I'm, I'm be a fine. pass. Yeah. But it's something that have caught in, in time may have less side effect, not necessarily right. less side effects, but maybe easier to treat, you yeah. know, down the road. And I think that's the point is a lot of things can be scary up front, yeah. um, whether it's screenings or stuff, but especially when it comes to like cancer, get checked. Yep. Get checked. That's important. When the doctor comes with the glove, just be like, mm, I got to do this. Yeah. They got to go for it, man. Got to do it. It's some tough spots, but, you know, it's better for your health. It's better for your family. You know, they want to make sure you're good. You know, friends as well. It's important. It's Absolutely. Very, it's very important to get it, get it checked out and always keep keep it in mind moving forward for you know all the listeners out there. And so that I mean, I think that for that you know this topic kind of leads perfectly in as, as to our to our next topic, talking about anxiety with our athletes. Ooh, anxiety. You know, anxiety with athletes, and specifically, uh, you know, we can focus and talk about men. You know. Recently, we had a, um, somebody from the Philadelphia Eagles, a man, uh, lineman named Brandon Brooks, uh, recently came out. Uh, he came out a few years ago as well, the, uh, talking about some of his issues with anxiety. I believe he had he suffered from panic attacks uh, a few years ago. Um, suffered it on the field to play while playing and even before playing. Wow! And so he was seeing. You know, he seeked out. Um, help and you know spoke to a professional about his issues and the team was fully aware aware of it as well and helped him throughout the process and so for him recently what came up was he had an anxiety attack once again in a I believe a few weeks ago in a game against the Seahawks and so one of the things he mentioned he mentioned it that he had to leave the game and due to this anxiety attack he had, and one of the issues, the reason why he deals with anxiety and he has panic attacks, is he feels the need that he needs to be perfect at this position. 
that's in the back of his mind. He always needs to be perfect. And if he's not perfect, he's letting his team down. And so that causes him great anxiety. Now, mind you, Brandon Brooks is a Pro Bowl lineman. He's probably one of the best linemen for the Philadelphia Eagles and probably one of the best linemen in the, in the league. He's well-known and is great at his position, but he still feels like he's not good good enough at times, as meant as he mentioned. And right, so, so that pressure's there. And so he feels that a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of pressure at that position, being a guard and being a lineman, because you have to protect the quarterback. That's a... It's key at all hey, times. T.O. said it best. Yeah, yeah That's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. You ain't going to try to play my quarterback or hurt him. Nah. You got to hold him down. And so it puts, you know, and I think it, it, you know, for men to come, you know, for Brandon Brooks and even players, you know, you also have other men in the sport who've come out about this. We have Kevin Love, uh, Brandon Marshall, uh, Metal World Peace. Michael Phelps, DeMar DeRozan. These are just some of the players that have um, come out, some of the main athletes that I think a lot of people know about. And, and wasn't what's his name back in the day? Uh, Ricky Williams, didn't he have anxiety too? I believe he did. I believe Ricky I Williams I know he had did. something. Yeah. Because I, I remember he it was social things because he never took his helmet off and he always wore the shaded visor yeah, during interviews. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe he did. I know, and I feel he was like one of the first athletes. Like I, growing up, like I distinctly remember. But you know, it's fun. It's crazy because nobody, when he came out about it, it wasn't like a thing. It wasn't like it wasn't. It didn't make big like mainstream or big stream news on when it came to his issues. You know, I feel like it kind of got put. And I also think it wasn't really treated seriously. It was kind of like "Mm." it was. This was sucking up. Yeah. This was this was way before everything kind of mental health and the issues with anxiety and depression kind of came up, you know. It, it became it came it really blew up blew up now and back in the, back in that time you never seen that when Ricky Williams was playing. It's really it's you know and it's interesting to see. And so I have a when I was reading an article talking they were just talking about Kevin Love and some of these main athletes and so quote. In this article, it states, men seeking therapy are a minority. Whether the reason for that is biological or societal in nature, a survey over 2,500 people who have experienced mental health problems, which was commissioned by the Mental Health Foundation in 2016, showed that 28% of men sought no treatment compared to 19% of women. More than one-third of these men either waited longer than two years to tell anyone about their struggles or told no one at all, end quote. And so, you know, I think when we talk about, we don't want to move forward of, you know, getting help sometimes and treatment. We feel like it could be a masculinity thing where we just feel like, no, we don't need that. We're good, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't need to get that treatment. I don't want anybody touching me, or I don't want to talk to, you know, a psychiatrist about my emotions. Like, why? Why should I? I'm good. Is this, I feel like it's like that buildup, you know, in our pastime of our, you know, maybe our fathers and our fathers' fathers of just like, we don't have to express mm-hmm. our emotions. This is just what it is. We got to take it as men. This is what we got to do. And, I, I, and anxiety is just one of those things, right? Is to a certain extent, I think, to a certain, to a certain extent, we all experience some form of anxiety. Yeah. No matter true. what. Yeah. It just, it's just the course of doing business in life. Yeah. But, when anxiety starts to creep in and affect your daily living is when it really becomes an issue. 
And the funny thing about anxiety, I don't want to say a funny thing about anxiety, but the funny thing about anxiety, right, is that it's one of those things that is essentially you get caught in, it's almost like quicksand, mm-hmm. right? Or, 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 or almost um, like a loop that you can't escape. Yeah. Because sort of the harder you sort of fight it sometimes. Yeah. No, bad example. It's it's more like a loop, right? In the sense of let's say you're anxious about, I don't know, um giving a giving a presentation before before a yeah. group of people, right? That's fair. So before okay. you get up and you give that group that presentation, you know, you're worried what are the people gonna think, what are they gonna say, how am I you know, how am I gonna be perceived? Even if you take this podcast, for example, right? Before we upload it, uh, it's, there's that little bit of anxiety, like how is it gonna be received? What are people gonna think? Are they you know, are they gonna critique it? However it's gonna go. And then <clears throat> excuse me, and then what happens of course is that this anxiety then of course leads to physical symptoms because you get the built up of cortisol in the blood and mm-hmm. you you know, you start your voice starts cracking, you lose concentration, your heart starts beating, all this stuff starts happening, you get all these physical symptoms and now you now you worry more. Because it's right. like, Oh my, my heart's beating fast, I'm sweating, I wanna talk right. funny and and now it's be and then you get caught in this this loop this cycle. that keeps this 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 cycle that keeps repeating itself and the question right. is well how do you get out of the cycle right that's yeah. the hard part right yeah, breaking yeah. free from the cycle and we have to realize what is what's fueling this like what is what's causing me one what is my trigger because everyone has an anxiety trigger. is it public speaking is it flying is it going on a date is it mm-hmm. uh whatever it is is it social situations is it going out to the club meeting a lot of people being around a lot of people whatever yeah. that trigger is when you have to first recognize what your triggers are and then once you recognize your triggers are you can sort of preempt it you, you know okay if i know next week i'm going to be in a situation where there's going to be a lot of people okay i know this is my trigger how do i then break that cycle what can i do to mm. divert my attention um rearrange my thoughts um, which will then, of course, you know, affect your behavior. Because if you can sort of change the thoughts that you experience around these behaviors, then in turn, you can then, of course, change your behaviors. Of course, it's easier said than done, like most things. Right. That's definitely, oh, no doubt. That is, to change the mindset and the thought process is one of the most challenging things to do for any human being when you're trying to, mm-hmm. you know, revamp your thinking my thought process when I'm going through an, in a, a situation that builds a lot of anxiety. You know, for me, I remember, you know, you mentioned presenting. I remember for me, that's anxiety for me, you know, mm-hmm. even though I feel like every time I, I'm done with a presentation, you know, you always, I always get good feedback from everybody, you know, when, from classwork, you know, in school, you all, I always got good feedback saying, oh, that was such a great presentation, you know, it's so great. And then in my head, I'm like, yo, I was, I was really freaking shook. I was like, I was like, thought I did horrible. I thought it was bad. And then in the mm-hmm. end, it, after you all said it done, it, it actually turned out well. You know, some, I feel, you know, a lot of times we tend to, as people, as natural, and I guess just to overthink it. And I think we overthink right. things a lot when we do things and you like you said you go out in a social setting or you're going out on a date we're put we're putting all these thoughts in our head on how you know we, we start thinking the worst that's going to happen or somebody's going to you know mm-hmm. yell out something that's going to you know just break us down or say something bad and 
you know, every situation is different, but the thought process and revamping the way we're thinking and find the finding uh, a place of peace. And that's like, for me, what works, you know, finding place. Like I, I well, always try let, to- let, before, before you, before you jump to the, I want to get the finding that, that sweet, that sweet spot, that zone. Mm-hmm. But I just want to, I just want to jump back a little bit to the, when I was talking about the anxiety things that, mm-hmm. you know, the triggers. And then of course, what are we doing about those anxieties? And I think we need to, or for all of us, just look at, sort of what are, what are we doing in those circumstances when we're experiencing anxiety? Like how do our behaviors currently, could they be driving our anxiety worse? So mm. there are, I guess you could say they, they sort of fall into a couple categories, right? So first you have avoidance. So maybe that's a, a, um, a behavior that you use or a safety mechanism that you, you put in place to sort of mm. say that I'm going to mitigate my anxiety, right? So what is right. what is avoidance? Avoidance is... Okay, there's a situation. I'm going to avoid the situation altogether. I'm not going to be around this person. I'm not going to be in a situation. Then, of course, there's uh, sort of anger or irritability. What happens? Some of us get angry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a no. I'm feeling anxious, so I'm going to turn that into anger. I'm going to turn that into irritability because that's the protective mechanisms that I've learned to use. Or how am I going to protect myself? So. What do I do to feel more safe? Do I maybe move away from individuals or do I, you know, protect myself in some other form of manner? And then, of course, the thoughts, you know, what are these thoughts that continually are increasing or fueling my anxiety? And, of course, the big one, which is the huge one, is substance use, right? So whether it's drugs, alcohol, a lot of individuals use alcohol to cope with anxiety. Yeah. And it's important to have an open and honest discussion about that and think about it is am I using alcohol drugs to to numb my anxiety so that I can get through this situation and so that sort of requires taking an honest look at ourselves and and, you know like I said a lot of times writing things down and analyzing when do I drink Mm -hmm. when do I use drugs Mm -hmm. and then that may because we may not necessarily, you may not necessarily think about it. You say, oh, I may, I may drink socially. Like I go out, I hang out with my friends, I drink. But is it when you're only socially in a certain situation or in certain things affecting you? And so I think that's sort of the key is one, recognizing your triggers and then recognizing what things that you're doing, writing those things down and seeing how those things are contributing to your anxiety. Right. And then once you do that, then you can sort of look at, okay, now how do uh, it, of course, like we always say, it may require getting professional help and looking at how can I change my thought patterns and my behavior patterns. And we always encourage individuals to seek professional help, but it's also about finding that sweet spot for you. What is that sweet spot? So as you were talking about, like going back to your point about finding peace, finding that sweet spot, talk to me more about that. Oh well, yeah. Finding that, find that sweet spot. I think it takes so much time to find out what your what's what makes what comforts your heart. What's what's comforting for you what that keeps you at peace, you know? And for me, I mean, it just comes down for me it's for me it's it's simple for me, you know, cuz I always know what I bring to the table and anything I do in my work or, you know. Oh. Oh yeah. Excuse me. For me, yeah, I mean, I I, I come from a place of love, man. Real for real, for real, for real. like a place of love. And so, like, I always come down to what the, it depends. Like, if I'm doing a presentation on something I'm passionate about or something I feel good about, then I know I'm doing it out of love. And it's just something I feel passionate about. And that's, that's like my own, my anxiety's always been about presenting. 
And so that was always been a big anxiety, big anxiety for me. And so if I'm presenting mm -hmm. something, you know, as I'm going through school, I'll try to always present something with something I like or something I love, anything I'm doing. And so it kind of brings me some comfort when I'm doing it, when I know I'm doing it with passion, you know, and right. I know that I'm going to go out and do go out 100 percent and do what I need to do. And so for anybody out there who's dealing with maybe anxiety, try to think of the things that you that you love right now and kind of find a place of for me just that you could pop that I use right now is think of the things you love and kind of meditate on that and kind of find a process where you're thinking it through and as you're working through your day-to-day -day activities and you're going through stressful moments think about the things you love and just processing that and kind of just having a moment to whatever to have a moment to just think about the things you do and working through and working through your stressors and the thing and all the anxiety and kind of apply how could I say this apply your own way with love you know I, I can't it's so hard to, to break this down I don't know Miles you can help me out but um it's just trying to come from a place of place of love I can't it's hard to break down for me because I it's, it's right, I'm, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you mull it over you know you can you know turn them wheels yeah, in your head uh, so I, I like to say it like this, right? So if you have anxiety, we all have a measure of anxiety about everything. And in order to get in that sweet spot, that's the question. How do I get in the sweet spot? And so there are sort of two ends of the spectrum, right? So on one end, you have what's referred to or what I like to refer to as the avoidance side of things. So that's, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go out. Uh, I'm going to use substances. I'm going to get angry. All of these things are used as a term of sort of avoiding what I want to do. I don't want to face what's causing my anxiety. On the other end, it's sort of what we have in society today, right? It's sort of the push through mentality. You know, the man, and we talk about men, of course, the man up mentality. No, man up, push through, fight through, you can do it no matter what. You know, everybody can be a champion. And it sounds good, you know, like, and, and we need to be careful when we tell individuals, like, oh, no, you got this, you can push through, you can fight through. Eh, be careful with some of those statements sometimes because sometimes what happens is if you push people too far and have anxiety, it's not a good look. Right. If people overextend themselves, it's you run into dangerous waters. And so you have the two ends. So what's in the middle? Well, that's, I think, it's going to piggyback what you said about talking about what you love, meditating on that. And then that sweet, that sweet spot is what's going to help me through this anxious moment, right? So, for example, let's say you have anxiety about being in large crowds. Now, you may not, in certain things, be able to avoid a large crowd. How can I mitigate that, though? Maybe I can bring a friend with me who understands my anxiety. Hey, like, we about to go to the football game. Do you mind, like, coming with me? You may not want to go by yourself. Or you may not necessarily want to take that friend <laughs> who doesn't quite right. get it, right? Or, you know, you may call yeah. a friend like, hey, man, you know, I'm feeling really anxious can you just like, well, I'm about to go on stage. Hey, man, just give, give me, can you give me like five minutes? And just just chat, you know, just walk through me with it. And 
whatever that sort of thing is, which helps you face the anxiety because we don't want to avoid it and we don't want to push through it beyond what we can do. We want to be able to face it in a reasonable manner, in a step-by-step manner. And in so doing, that's how you can start to work through that anxiety. And it's it's not an overnight process, right? Depending on your level of anxiety, how much anxiety you experience, it is going to take work. And you're going to fail sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. We as you know, need to be okay with failure. And failure is going to happen. No one, just like babies, like babies don't pop out the womb and start walking. They start crawling, and even when they take their first steps, it's usually it's called first steps for a reason because it's like two steps, and then they are hitting the floor. <laughs> That's it. Right. There's no yeah. like mm, this baby's now running. No, this baby can barely right. walk, and it's a process. And the, you know they start being able to walk, and or they use a little like I call it like a baby walker thing, that little thing they put them in, and it's, and they <laughs> run around on that thing, yeah, <laughs> whatever. But eventually. And next thing you know it, they're tearing off down the road and they can run by themselves. And so it's the same thing in the beginning of facing your anxiety and trying to find that sweet spot for yourself uh, where growth happens. There's going to be some difficulty and and, di- and growth doesn't happen without difficulty. Right. If yeah. if mm-hmm. if it was easy, you wouldn't grow. I hate to use the expressions like, you know, the, the classic ones like uh diamonds are made under pressure and you know yeah but what is this expression it's like pressure bus bus pipes makes diamonds uh all those sort of things but the the point is is that you don't grow without some sort of difficulty right because growth takes looking inwardly it takes facing the man in the mirror so to speak looking at yourself and going okay this is where i am this is where i want to be how do yeah. I get here? Yeah, and that takes work. You hit it on. You hit it on the nose, man. That was good. Definitely. That's hey, man. It's tough. But I mean, t- if you want to so, jump in more, some love. It's so Qu- tough to break down because anxiety is just. It takes time, man. It just and even for me, even like, it's a lot, you know, to break it down. I'm a little anxious right now. Just talking about it. You feel and a little so anxious right now. It's a big topic. It always continue, you know. It's a it's continuing to you know talk about as we, you know, move forward in the podcast. As it will come up in a variety of topics that come up. It's something that we we all continue to work on and continue to use our own methods to help us as we continue to grow and you know as we get older. And it's you know we'll find our you know everyone has their own sweet spot. Hashtag find your sweet spot. Hashtag find your sweet spot. Let's run that. All right, I like that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. I like that. I'm feeling that. Uh, and so that I think that perfectly seg- segues segues us into our final sort of segment of the episode, which we usually either talk about, we usually do a quote or a song of the day. And I'll kick it off because I actually think uh, the quote that I picked perfectly sort of segues with what I was talking about about finding that sweet spot and the fact that growth only happens under difficulty and it's a quote again i'm using uh, c joy bell c and she said that we can't be afraid of change you may feel very secure in the pond that you are in but if you never venture out of it you'll never know that there is such a thing as an ocean a sea holding on to something that is good for you now may be the very reason why you don't have something better. And so for me, yeah. 
I, I think that does like sort of just hit home in terms of there is a lot of security in not moving on. When you're when you're in a quote unquote good place, it's easy to remain in the good place, right? Because it's good. Things are, you know, things are going okay. Or nothing's like breaking, nothing's falling apart, but it doesn't really allow always room for growth. And so I think it's important that you continually challenge yourself in order to find new things, experience new growth, um, because there's always something else over the horizon. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I think the quote speaks for itself. I didn't really need to add anything to it because I'm not as, you know, great with the words. Oh, man. Uh, so mine's is, you know, you you yours just went blended perfectly, but mine's is on time. My quote today is from the Dalai Lama. Quote, time is always moving on. Nothing can stop it. The question is whether we use our time properly or not. We can't do anything about the past. But what happens in the future depends on what we do now, end quote. And so talking about anxiety today, one of the issues that we have is, you know, what the past, ha- what's happened in the past and also what's laced in the future. And that's anxiety building in itself right there and time. And so I thought this quote was kind of stuck to me because as we, you know, as for us, we start off here and we, as we're kicking off the podcast and getting it going um what what's ahead of us what's ahead for all of us and our own personal goals and all that we're doing and sometimes that that's so anxiety building for all of us and, and it is so important that we do our best to stay in the present right now and focus on what we're doing in the present moment and so as i said you know as we talked about today it's finding our sweet spots today to worrying about right now and focusing on how can we build on finding those sweet spots that help us with the anxiety of thinking about all the things that go on in our lives that we're thinking about the future or we're thinking about the past and things that have happened? How do we focus on, you know, just working on ourselves in this present moment so that we can just move forward in a way that we're not having so much stress on those things of the future and what's to, what's to come? Because... It's going to happen. Time will come and, you know, for all of us and what's going to happen in the future, it will happen. But there's a way we can handle that and handle it in a way that's healthy and a way that we can be productive in our own lives on a day-to-day basis. And so I thought it was a great, you know, it was a good quote for us. But I guess we could say definitely ties in with what we talked about today, you know, both our quotes. And hopefully it's something we can think about moving forward as far as finding the finding the bright spots within ourselves and finding the sweet spots that can help us move move forward on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's been a great episode as usual. Yes, yeah, definitely. So I guess this uh, concludes our, our episode. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at What You Think in Podcast. We're available on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, CastBox, Anchor, we're pretty much everywhere. So we asked it to you subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out. Definitely. Definitely. Go check us out. Let us know what you're thinking, what you think about the podcast so far, and give us your thoughts. Yeah, we look forward to uh, hearing from you. And as usual, this has been another wonderful episode of the What You're Thinking podcast. I am your boy, Miles. And this is Colin here. And we'll see you next time.